1: so before we get started right I've got this new football app to tell you about it's called teammates it's a football quiz app and the aim of the game is to climb from the bottom of league two and win the premier league and you can also win the FA Cup and the league cup to do this you get given a team sheet with one thing that links them for example players that Klopp gave their Liverpool debut to some players will be linked to signify that they played with each other some players won't so Roberto Firmino did Klopp give him his Liverpool debut? Wrong. It was Brendan Rodgers. You see, that's how hard it is. And the further you climb up the league or get through in the cup, the less and less players you get, and the tasks become harder and harder, and you've only got a set amount of moves. You can play in modern mode or vintage mode, so if your current football knowledge isn't up to much, and you've got the memory of an elephant, you can play vintage mode. I mean, man, it's extremely addictive. I love a good football quiz, and you can sit there racking your brains for ages trying to think of who... Out of the short list of plays you get given has been a teammate of Sergio Ramos and Emerson, but hasn't played in England. Check it out, it's teammates. It's available on the App Store. Look for the red and white football. It is really a football quiz like no other. So before we get going again today, um, your man who runs the teammates app is running a bit of a tournament poll on his Twitter account to find out who is the best teammate partnership from the two thousands. Now last week we uh, we did the Barcelona one, and we both. Sort of said, Xavi and Iniesta would qualify. They have done, yeah. Um, and I think they're probably the biggest partnership in the 2000s, at least in club football. But today we're going to be talking about Real Madrid for the first few minutes of today's show. Now, the four options are Galacticos pair, pairing of Roberto Carlos and Zinedine Zidane. You've got Sergio Ramos yeah. and David Beckham down that right flank. Before Beckham left in 2007, you've got Raúl and Ronaldo up front, and then Raúl and Ruud van Nistelrooy, which would be Raúl's successor. Now I've gone Carlos yeah. and Zidane because that is the quintessential even though left wing, in, left wing back into centre mid isn't really a partnership as such but just the names are just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think so. And I think I agree based on how integral they will have been to the team and for longevity as well. I think Ramos and Beckham obviously Ramos now we'd probably say one of the greatest ever still going strong. Yeah, But Beckham it was just part of that Galacticos sort of thing, and although he added obviously I did a lot to the team, he's nowhere near as vital as most of the other names on that list, barring Van Nistelrooy, I guess. Yeah, you right. take them two out, and they're all the rest are certified Real Madrid legends. Whereas, I'm sure um, Real Madrid fans look at Beckham quite favourably, but I don't know if he's quite in the Hall of Fame just. But yeah, I can't nah, disagree. not for Real Madrid. are no.
1: And they're the only partnership out of those four to win the Champions League together, winning it in 2002. Zidane, obviously, with that volley against Bayer Leverkusen, too.
0: Yeah, some great goals there. Great matches. I mean, you remember the kids, like you oh, and added an added ass with Siemens on the front. You just imagine some of these players, don't you? Michael Owen. <laughs> yeah, another got to go.
1: Woodgate. Welcome to the Noughties Nostalgia podcast each week my esteemed pal AJ Alex Rhodes again in that burgundy Brexit umbrella and I Jake Doyle in my FA Trophy final 2016 Halifax town shirt with the badge ripped off in the wash first time of uh, using we're going to jump into the time machine and to the 2000s (laughs) and to select two football moments of the time to pick the bones of today I'm going to take a look at the 11th anniversary of England's probably finest win over Fa- with Fabio Capello in charge a 5-1 with Croatia but first we've got to talk about the rivalry between Manchester United and Arsenal and that famous bust up in the hybrid tunnel in February 2005 with Keane Vieira and big Gary Neville
0: yeah so obviously think the Premier League tunnel is like a prime place to lose your lid and just go nuts and I think this is one of the most iconic instances that happened. And now it's obviously smack bang in the middle. So I'm not really cheating this week, but I have been a little squeaking in at the beginning. of week, squeaking and then now it's flat slap bang in the middle. Prime United for that team, for that time. Sorry. And Arsenal as well. One of the best Arsenal teams ever. Still at the top of the game in 2005. So yeah, Roy Keane. I mean, we didn't know until quite recently why exactly it all happened. We had a little bit of context, obviously, from what Keane was saying in the tunnel seemed to revolve around picking on Gary Neville. Um, And, you know, kind of, don't pick on the small guys, pick on me from Roy Keane towards Vieira. Um, And obviously Graham Paul in Keane's face trying to calm him down, but probably failing at it. Um, And then the actual game, United go on to win 4-2. John O'Shea with probably one of the most underrated goals of all time. And yeah, I mean and then recently we have had the added context from Roy Keane um, in, in interviews and in his autobiography, um saying it's it kind of stemmed from the previous game United and Arsenal had where United could have been seen to be kicking Arsenal a bit and particularly uh, Reyes, Rest in Peace, who got some bad treatment in that game from the United players. Um, and then apparently it's about Vera going up to Gary Neville at high-brain saying, you know, you're not going to kick us this time, and kind of just chasing him around before kick-off, getting in his ear. But it does sound like Roy Keane was just as annoyed that someone had pissed Gary Neville off because it made Gary Neville more annoying before a game, <laughs> rather than actually <laughs> defending Gary Neville and trying to stick up for him. Um, which you can kind of imagine, in like fact Gary Neville doesn't show up anyway. So...
1: In the words of Yap is a busy cunt. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can kind <laughs> of just imagine it, can't you, really? But, yeah, I mean, did it backfire on Arsenal is the first question, I guess. You could argue it did in this game, at least. um Yeah, the loss four him, really. I mean, cracking game, but United kind of stayed composed, crafted some great goals. Obviously, as well, you had young Ronaldo there, young Rooney so proper not as iconic moment really what what do you think like did it backfire
1: i think arsenal at this point had got far too into far too distracted by the rivalry with united so we're Mm. arsenal still english champions at this point they've just gone undefeated and the whole it had been brewing for a couple of years. I remember an FA Cup tie in about two thousand and three when Arsenal and United were just kicking lumps out of each other. It was not it was more balanced yeah, yeah. in that game, but then you've got a couple of community shield finals where it all just kicks off in in, in a glorified friendly as we've discussed previously. Yeah, yeah. And then what tipped it over yeah. the edge was probably Gary Neville and kicking lumps out of Reyes in um what I'm gonna call the second battle of Old Trafford, which was or maybe even the third battle yeah. of Old Trafford, because you've got, you've got the uh in 1990 which saw points docked from both teams you've got that one that could have ended arsenal's unbeaten run before it got going with the key on close line uh, the missed penalty and then you've got the end of the undefeated street yeah, yeah, where yeah. which is also known as pizza gate rude van Nistelrooy ending the uh, undefeated yeah. street that massive celebration and them going back and forth like that arsenal would win the cup from united in the final running season um, it sort of allowed Chelsea to mm. just go about the business. These, this was like the biggest yeah. game of the season, even though it was second versus third. United were well off the pace this season. And Blackburn just snuck... Uh, Blackburn Blackburn got beat off Chelsea and Chelsea snuck straight in, 11 points ahead after this game. So yeah. Arsenal was second yeah. going into the game. United won. Like you say, that John O'Shea goal was fantastic. But I tend to remember Cristiano Ronaldo's two goals as well. And that's probably where he sort of where the start of his, yeah. you know, of like returning to the yeah, province, up.
0: yeah,
1: yeah, and maturing for Manchester United, and yeah. then his next three seasons would be his best in England by a mile, obviously. Then goes on to <laughs> next four seasons, rather, and then goes on to Real Madrid. And yeah, uh, Chelsea, were, they were probably more fighting for relevancy, I'd say. Hmm. Because they were the second and third best teams in the division. Obviously, Liverpool were close fourth yeah, yeah. as well at that point. And I'd say you say John O'Shea's goal was the most overrated underrated goal ever. I'd call it one of the best goals by a player that you wouldn't expect. Because the John O'Shea yeah, scored a goal, a big goal. He scored at Anfield a couple of, a season after. He did score goals. I mean, I remember him scoring for Ireland in Germany, yeah, for example, yeah. that qualifier. Yeah, yeah. But the way he scores he it is
0: well.
1: the way he scores it, though. He just Chips it over Jens <laughs> like, like he isn't one of the best goalkeepers. And the way, the, the the celebration.
0: way celebration is just the best as well.
1: Because even he doesn't.
0: Borderline, like, <laughs> is he acting cool or does it just shocked
1: <laughs> So I've, I've got a list here of best goals by yeah. players that you wouldn't expect, right? Some from the 2000s, some not. You've got Nigel Winterburn's long range screamer against Chelsea. You've got Benjamin Pavard's last 16 goal against France against Argentina for France. Vincent Kompany's absolute belter that effectively won the league for City last year. Stephen Carr scored an absolute worldie for Tottenham against United as well. Mexes scoring overhead kick for Milan. And probably my favourite because of the yeah, circumstances in what it about. come as. Gio Van Bronco's 40-yard belter against Uruguay in the World Cup semi-final from 2010, which came out of nowhere for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that goal, that Broncos goal is just a superb move as well. Really good. Um, But yeah, I mean, yeah, John O'Shea, for me, is definitely up there with them. Because, I mean, like, these are all quality goals as well. So it's a good category rather than to say it's an underrated goal to say how the hell have they done
1: that. I think it's more the 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 biggest. I
0: think that company goal as well, just stepping up in his last game. Crazy.
1: all of these goals yeah. were a, Pavard aside were absolute screamers like hitting as hard as you can almost like a hit and hope whereas Pavard's was sort of like a fade into the top corner O'Shea's yeah, was yeah. like a delicate little chip so for me probably those two are probably the best but obviously my favorite van Bronkost probably John O'Shea's alongside it as well for that reason yeah yeah
0: I mean Bronkost were from some range as well on it so
1: uh, yeah, know.
0: yeah, like you said, a lot of them are just belted in. But yeah, I mean, the Pemac one kind of didn't surprise me in a way because that France team just seemed to drip with quality anyway. Yeah, so nothing. And they had that sort of unpredictability in that World Cup, of just lose goals, but then score stunning goals in reply. So it didn't really yeah. matter that sort of team. Um, and obviously, back to the tunnel moment. Some good stuff happens in the football tunnel, doesn't it? Um, another united one is that i like is neville and peter schmeichel when peter schmeichel's moved to man city yeah. and they just completely him because schmeichel's been quite pallid with really united mm-hmm. players walking down to the front of the tunnel and then it gets to neville and neville just don't even acknowledge him pretty much just moves his team over to the other side
1: it's in the level. zone that's the most gary neville thing yeah, he's exactly. ever done yeah. i think
0: probably yeah it's but they didn't even phil's end once something didn't they so <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's yeah, true. True. So later on this season, Arsenal would finish second, United finish third, yeah. win the FA Cup, but it'd be Arsenal's last trophy for nine years. Whilst United would have to wait for another couple of years before winning yeah. three in a row in the league themselves. We like were almost like a brand new team. So it was almost like an end of an era match, this really, I'd say. Did I mean, do you think
0: this game, I mean, it might be harsh what I'm about to say, and you might not agree with it but do you think this game and obviously subsequent arsenal not winning a trophy just showed that wenger only really had one good generation of players and then struggled to revolve and lead another good generation of trophy winning players
1: i'd say i'd say more he had two teams well he had two successful teams let's say he had um the 98 team with um Tony Adams and you know Winterburn Dixon etc etc, and then he had Vieira, Henri, Lundberg. Yes. Yeah. So th- those are two very different teams, and then he, he did have sort of like 2010. That sort of team I would seem to remember being really really good. You've got Adibayev, Van Persie, Nasri, Fabregas, and should have really won a league in there somewhere. Ran Barcelona close quite a few times in the Champions League, but obviously Messi would win out. So I think. Two really successful teams and one that should have performed a lot better than what it did in that turn-of-a-decade team there. John is in a couple of seconds for England doing their typical England thing and absolutely thrashing Croatia in a World Cup qualifier for 2010. Now on this day 11 years ago, England had the chance to qualify for the 2010 World Cup with ease as it were and they would be playing Croatia at Wembley Croatia had done England in the year of 2008 qualifiers home and away but lost in a bizarre quarter-final to Turkey at that tournament losing on penalties Walcott had scored a hat-trick in a 4-1 win in Zagreb that famous hat-trick I think it was first three goals for England um, prior, as, prior as part as um, England's run to the uh, to the tournament they'd beat Andorra home and away as expected Kazakhstan home and away as expected and also got wins at home to Belarus and at home to Ukraine. So they had a 100% record going into the match. Probably the hardest match of the group so far, Croatia. They had four-point advantage and a game advantage on Croatia. Seven points on Ukraine. And England went into the match knowing that a win would confirm a place in the World Cup with two to play in South Africa. Ukraine's nil-nil draw at Belarus, confirming England only needed a point from the game. And Lampard scored inside seven minutes. Gerrard and Lampard added number three and four in the second half. Eduardo pulled it back, that famous um, former Arsenal striker, probably more well known for his leg break. And then Wayne Rooney capped it all off, summing it all up with a fifth inside 77 minutes. England finished with a 27 points out of 30, and drew what the Sun branded as easy. So E for England, A for Algeria, S for Slovenia, and Y for Yanks, because it's a rag. Anyway, so (laughs) my question is to you. Going into that, as we spoke about last week, 27 points out of 30, superb qualification process. Did you believe that England could win this World Cup? Yeah, big time, definitely.
0: But I'm, I'm that guy who will always think it no matter what the situation is. I don't think I really thought it even because of unbeaten qualification and whooping Croatia. it are just... I always do. But generally, you could be justified on paper looking at a team. If yeah, you couldn't say exactly. anything about it, it was probably just lacking a little bit of excitement, a little bit of dynamism. You know, but you had strength there and you had experience arguably the one position that was still up for grabs the most important position on the pitch goal kickers and that obviously cost us in that first game so yeah. we're kind of always trying to claw ourselves back into things after that started so well didn't it but yeah I mean <laughs> yeah. it was a good sign I wanted to to kind of beat Croatia again and I mean look 12 years now of having these important games with Croatia it's become a, quite, a, quite a rivalry really so it's kind of a good thing to come of it as long as it doesn't obviously get nasty, Um, but yeah, I think England team for the World Cup, not many people could have disagreed with it. There will always be a few who don't make it obviously. yeah Heskey, but then who else striker-wise around, probably not a lot, yeah, (laughs) it was a good final one. Yeah, it, it was just. I think it was wrongly. It especially coming on in that Germany game um, instead of the four Crouch. Um, but yeah, good. It was. It was good. 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 Good vibes from Capello before we went and stank out of the World Cup.
1: And the best part of the tournament in the league, in the group stages at least. Or well, in the tournament, I guess you'd say. Um, I missed thanks to ITV HD cutting away to an advert five minutes into the game. Cut back. Steven Gerrard scored. Uh, but yeah, like you say, you've yeah. got, there's no real excitement from wide. I mean, I would prefer Aaron Lennon and Sean Wright Phillips out wide with um, Gerard and Lampard through the middle. I mean, you've also got Joe Cole there. And is, the midfield, I think, is really good. It's just quality out yeah. wide, which is obviously in abundance now. Uh, Rooney had the best season of his career in goal scoring terms. I was excited for that. Rio Ferdinand got injured before the tournament started, so we subbed in Michael Dawson. But like, we had plenty of cover Ledley King who yeah. also got injured yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Jamie Carragher and Matthew Upson who would score one of England's only three goals at the tournament like you say we'd draw to yeah. America uh, draw to Algeria scab a win out of Slovenia on the last <laughs> last group game to get into a match with Germany that we had no chance of winning really even though they were inexperienced and and yeah. we weren't but I think it's the last tournament that I believed we could win because you've got, obviously, the golden generation. Really? Obviously, in 2098, I was probably too dumb and young to think otherwise. And I thought, yeah, we're going to win it. We've got David Beckham, etc. Uh, 2002 yeah. to 2006, obviously, I had one of the best teams in the world, on paper, individually. Um, 2010, I was. I remember being sat at a barbecue the week before and telling everyone that we were going to win it. And a, a, quite a lot of people saying we've got absolutely no chance. And as it turned out, we did have no chance. We lost to Germany 4 1 in the last 16. Part goal line technology, part the fact that Fabio yeah. Capello had locked them all in a room for six weeks out in the middle of nowhere in <laughs> South Africa. And partly because Germany had Thomas Muller, Mesut Erzl, you know, fresh faces, Miroslav Klose, Lukas Podolski. Yeah. The last goes on.
0: <laughs> so Barely with the costs, yeah.
1: I asked, was for Fabio Capello the right man for the job a couple of weeks back? He obviously would then go on to resign in protest over John Terry's captaincy being stripped away from that whole Wayne Bridge saga and had built quite a, quite a team since the World Cup. We'd had the likes of Jack Wilshere, Gary Cahill, Jordan Henderson, Danny Welbeck, Chris Smalling, Phil Jones, Kyle Walker, Daniel Sturridge and Kieran Gibbs all making their debuts in qualification. But then obviously... He'd resign roy hodgson takes a job so was roy hodgson the right man for the job in 2012
0: no i don't think so
1: <laughs> yeah well
0: yeah. i mean yeah i mean looking at who was bookies favorites is down the list and probably in terms of the polls people's opinion it would have been at the bottom of the list too maybe timing has got a lot to answer obviously it's kind of like well he's just left us, us tournament. Let's and at the time, I think most people thought it will probably be an interim appointment, like just get Roy Hudson in. Obviously, massively experience and there's no no way you can really say he's a bad manager. But no. to be with England, I think what annoys me is how long he was with England for. If we just saw it out the 2012 Euros and said, you know, thanks for seeing us through that, off we'll you pop. Start fresh now. We'll get we'll get Harry Redknapp in. Yeah. Or do something interesting with Stuart Pierce, I don't know, but yeah, right man at the right time for the Euros, but not for the right man long term. I don't think.
1: No, Locally, I agree. Managed to
0: kind of because I think he left a very stale team behind, and somehow Southgate managed to pull something out of the bag, and now we look really exciting, probably the most exciting team since Golden Generation, really, in terms of what players you've actually got.
1: Well, so, yeah, yeah, achieved a lot more than golden generation inside one tournament that they couldn't do in three. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, like the, the caliber of uh, English managers in the premiership at the time, so May 2012. So, we've got Alan Pardew, Roy Hodgson, and Harry Rednap. So, Harry Rednap's evens to take the job, he's a Tottenham manager. Yeah, um, he just failed to qualify for the Champions League. The, the That team was sort of on a downturn, the right time was then, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah was i was baffling i mean you've got according to the book is gus Hiddink ink eight, eight to one which he was never going to take a job i don't think jose mourinho why would he leave real madrid a year into two yeah. years into that Arsene wenger no uh Rafa, rafael benitez and then you've got david beckham alan shearer and alan pardew all 25 to one david beckham who at the yeah. time was currently still playing football so he's yeah. obviously just a waste of time so i i'm the same as you probably Maybe even get Harry Redknapp in for Euro 2012 because Tottenham had come and gone as a force. Really, Um, they wouldn't qualify for the Champions League again under Redknapp, and um, or with Bale in the team up until 2013. And Harry Redknapp, just yeah, probably give him four, four, four years at that, or even Sam Allardyce, as he would then go on to replace Roy Hodgson. Obviously, you say Gareth South gets done the sort of the business now in this. Well, four years in charge, it started. It took him a long time to do so to regenerate the team that he'd left behind. Uh, Roy Hodgson wise, um, I don't know if Harry Redknapp would have been able to do a better job. Maybe it had got us out of got got us through Iceland. I don't think Fabio Capella would have done a better job at Euro twenty twelve either. Really, because Italy were better than us in that quarter final, which we eventually lost on penalties, yeah. as is often the case. And that group in twenty fourteen, I think. Yeah, fair enough, because it were Uruguay and Italy. I mean, two quite big teams and in Brazil. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I think that's fair.
1: And we'd have got beaten off Colombia anyway, second round. So it doesn't really... I don't I don't. I really have any qualms about that. But year 2016, obviously, it was Iceland. I mean, Iceland were a good team, but, yeah. you know, we should beat them, really.
0: Yeah. I'm surprised, yeah, after 2014, that was stuck with him. Because it just seemed like you couldn't gain anything by sticking with him. Like, mm. did you really expect him to, like, pull something out of the bag for the World Cup? Or, oh, I mean, I don't know. Nah. It's just, and then obviously we had Big Sam, who I still think it was unfair what happened to him and it would have been a good manager. But obviously now I'm not going to say it. I'm annoyed why he got sacked because Southgate's been excellent. So
1: blessing in disguise.
0: Exactly.
1: 100% win record, dice So, <laughs>
0: exactly. Go. Yeah,
1: that one Adam will learn a goal. So now we've chewed I forget about England yet again on this podcast. We're um, we'll be with you in a couple of seconds for the 2000s trivial teaser, and it's an absolute belter this week. So before we leave, the comfortable inertia of the footballing world, I think it's only right we bring you a 2000 Trivial Teaser. And last week, you got it right again. So I've removed the date of birth this week because it stops people cheating. And he was a striker. He got managed by Ian Dowie and Frank Reichard. His teammates were the Bent brothers, Marcus and Darren Bent, guys (laughs) commendia Dennis Bergkamp and Aaron Ramsey, of course. It was Cardiff City legend, Jimmy Floyd Asselbank. Well done, Alex. Yeah. And well done to anyone who got it at home.
0: Quick question, and this could be one for any viewers. Could Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank be the highest quality journeyman of all time? Because you look at his CV and you've got to say that that's probably a yeah. journeyman by some definition. So put that one out there. Right?
1: I had good times in the Premier League for. Chelsea, Leeds, and obviously Middlesbrough. I don't know if he was in that yeah, team exactly. that got to the UEFA Cup final, but he was still played a big part. Viduka as well, him and Viduka were class. So, this week, he's another striker. No date of birth this week. And he's been managed by Felix, Mag- Felix Magat and Pep Guardiola. Some of his teammates have been Thomas Hitzelsberger, Ashkan Dejagah, Jordan Jardin Shaqiri, Tony Cruz, and Fernando Torres.
0: I thought I had this as well but I don't think it ticks enough boxes it just does tick some of them but I've not checked them all out but I'll just say Mario Gomez Ooh!
1: <laughs> I'll edit this bit out but you're half right if that makes sense ah. yeah
0: <laughs> is that not the answer you're looking for though
1: it was No, no, it's not the answer I'm looking for.
0: It's at, I'd hit the post
1: there. Hit the post. And off the, uh, just clips the crossbar on its way out for a goal kick. Um, So yeah, if you've got any uh, clues about that, if you think, know the answer, please leave it in the comments section and our answer will be revealed at the same time next week. So if you've got any other business, we're covering away days at the minute, so... What town is next?
0: Yeah. 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 So, continuing our little series of our away days that we've done. So, number three on our list was York. I don't really know how this came about. It might have just be me because I know York's a good place to drink, probably. It. Um,
1: yeah. And, yeah. I think it was. Yeah.
0: And we delved into the lower leads, obviously. um So, starting with York as a town, I'm going to just go say I give it five out of five. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it toes the line while I've been one of the most historical cities probably in the world. But has some modern touches if you're into, like, your modern bars and, like, indie cinemas and stuff, which mm-hmm. we obviously weren't there for, but it's still there. Uh, but obviously, we were there for the pubs, which are brilliant as well. I just like how a lot of the pubs seem like the Willow done of years ago. Inside the decor is spot on. And shout out to, I think the Hop's the best one, just saying. Cross Keys up. was good. Cross Keys was good, and the hole in the wall where I we went after the game and saw Bob Ross. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> by yeah. Bounder was good. Accrington was kind of on its ass unfortunately, in terms of what it offered. But New York is up there as a drinking city, definitely. So, for football, it was good. Might be different now because Boob and Crescent's moved. Well, it doesn't exist, but the team's stadium has moved considerably further out of the city so might be slightly different a slightly different experience if you're trying to drink in the town and then go out to a game but mm. yeah definitely good pre-drinks for a game
1: yeah i um, i didn't find the pubs well actually looking back and remembering it all the pubs were probably better than barnsley i just don't think i had as good a time in york as i did in barnsley the town is far and away the best time we've been to york minster obviously we went in there for a bit to light a few candles didn't we well you and harry did but i just sat there and took in the architecture um but yeah the game was obviously shite because it was (laughs) at national league north level um yeah i think it's not really a big football town i mean you wouldn't if you if you went into york city center you wouldn't know if there was a game on or even if york had a football team or not whereas yeah, yeah, that's quite cool. a, quite out of the way and lower level. Even if we we're in League Two, I don't think we'd know. But every town that I've been before or since you'd know there's a game on because there's fans everywhere. Like Accrington, especially, Accrington fans in that boozer near the railway station. We went to York because Preston wouldn't give us tickets because it was their final home game and they were pushing for playoffs.
0: Yes, well, yeah, yeah. So.
1: We just found the next best yeah. thing, and York were on our list anyway. As is any place in Yorkshire, barring probably Huddersfield, Leeds, Halifax, and Bradford, those are the four main towns we're usually drinking.
0: Yeah, I think obviously the point about not having a lot of fans in York is it's a sort of Leeds United effect of anything sort of east of Leeds does in Yorkshire. 10 people who like football generally seem to support Leeds, so you've got to like the coast and. Scarborough and place like that, people, I mean, obviously you get Scarborough Town fans, but a lot of people live that direction, And Leeds fans, and travel like two hours to come to Leeds. Obviously, York yeah. is far away, but they don't have a good team, like you say, so. But having the, the ground itself suits that level of football quite well. It was quite a good ground for that tier. We yeah. um, just missed a couple of things, so like... It were fairly full and the crowd were decent but you couldn't get a beer because it was stupid you can't buy a beer in view of the pitch and like all the kiosks face the pitch which is stupid um and then the toilets are like in someone's back garden and not yeah. close <laughs> um, but i think ultimately while the ground it is a shame that it won't be used now and the move. i mean the are moving to a better ground which as a team should be better for them but i think for fans it's a shame that I mean, they're moving further out of town and we'll have sort of a modern, more clinical sort of stadium. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going like to give it three, three point. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, like a 3.5. I'm giving it then. Out of five. Um, I think it'd be four with beer and five if it had a good toilet as well. <laughs> Pushing five, not actually five. But,
1: <laughs> well,
0: I'd say yeah. the stadium,
1: I'd go out on a limb and say the stadium's better than Accrington Stadium for you know just the stadium but the facilities
0: yeah. i mean i don't think it would i don't think the stadium with a few improvements wouldn't have been no. weird if it was at krypton stadium it could if they been were in the league stadium, one as long as it had some touches yeah yeah exactly it's bad at all so it's a shame i do think it's a real shame the game itself like i say was garbage um we just talked to see john parking but by that point it pretty much fallen out with the York staff and players, so yeah, yeah. we didn't unfortunately get to see him come on. Well, someone said it, put it well. Just said his only with us to promote his book, which is probably true, and his podcast, obviously. Yeah, um, we won't mention that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think with with better football, it would have been the best day we've had. I think.
1: Yeah, if you took the football element out of it, <laughs> <the red attraction. laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. <laughs> it's just it got it was a good day ruined by find, a game of I'd football.
0: like to do that level again I mean you yeah, like to do that level get, again. And yeah
1: you're more likely to get a, a good game well not COVID. a good game goals
0: yeah exactly so we need to dig out that sort of gem who's flying up the non-leagues and go see mm-hmm. them if we can
1: well like I think you were we might, about to say uh,
0: that is only choice
1: yeah COVID with the level you can probably get more fans in the stadium at that level so
0: yeah yeah exactly
1: Scalabre Athletic doing, we like. go. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Definitely we go to stadium, here we go.
1: That's all we've got time for today on um, episode eight, I think, now of the Noughties Nostalgia podcast. Next week, we're going to be looking at Porto kicking off their 2003-04 Champions League campaign, which would end in triumph with Jose Mourinho. And what are you going to talk about next week for us? I'm
0: going to talk about Phil Brown's iconic team talk, when he was full manager.
1: Perfect. And we're going to find out the answer to the Guardiola Torres teaser. We've got a new teaser. Some more musings from Alex, which will be the Blackburn away day. And coming up elsewhere on the channel, tomorrow's throwback will be the 1993 Champions League final between Marseille and AC Milan. Friday's 5 aside, we're going to pick the best 5 aside team from Liverpool. Our what-if scenarios this week are what if Darren Anderton was injury-free and what if Sergio Ramos didn't score that equaliser in the 2014 Champions League final. Tuesday's tier list is a ranking of the central midfielders of the previous decade, the 2010s. And that's all we've got until next week on Wednesday. I'm whatif underscore YouTube and you're Alex J Rhodes at Twitter. Give us some suggestions for away days. Tell us your experiences of Blackburns because ours was pretty bang average. But until then, see you later.